Am I on? Okay, good. Some of y'all might be wondering why I got this grin on my face. Maybe not, but my wife gave me a really good little bit of encouragement before I got up here, so I appreciate that. (laughs) All right, so let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your your mercy that you have allowed us to see on this new Lord's Day. Father, we thank you that you are a God of steadfast love. God, we thank you that you are a forgiving God. So, Lord, as I stand to preach your word to your people, Pray that our hearts, our minds, our ears would be open. Spirit, I pray that you would move on the heart of your people. Move on my heart as well. Father, help us to believe your word. I give you thanks. I give you praise. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit I do pray. Amen. All right, so you guys see it up on the screen, Acts 1-8. Let's go ahead and open up to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Now, I know some of you guys are probably looking at me like, the last time you were up there, you said that you were going to take us through the book of James, and you would be correct. I did say that, Uh, and trust me, we're going to get back to that. I promise you, Uh, but Pastor Alex decided that it would be a good idea, uh, since it's the beginning of the year, for us to go through a vision series, to go through a series uh, talking about the identity of the village church. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Today we're going to be starting a new sermon series called uh, This Is Us. And in this series, Pastor Alex and I, we're going to talk about, again, the identity of the village church. And we plan to talk about the things that the Village Church already embodies well and some of the things that we pray the Village Church will embody well in the future. So the name, This Is Us, uh, it may sound familiar to you guys. And if you think we ripped that from a television show, you would be absolutely correct. (laughs) Uh, And so if if you've heard of the television show, This Is Us, you know that it follows a uh, diverse family, uh, a diverse family that that has a lot of baggage, uh, a lot of brokenness, uh, but yet and still, uh, despite their their baggage, despite their brokenness, they retain their identity as members of a family. And similar to that, we at the Village Church and the Body of Christ, the Universal Church of God, also represents a diverse family. We all bring our baggage, we all bring our brokenness to this diverse family, the family of God, but we still retain our identity as the family of God. So, uh, in today's message, I want to talk about uh, the village church, about our identity as a witnessing church. So, we're going to look at uh, Acts 1-8. We're actually going to start at verse 6. So, we're going to use Acts 1-8, 6-8. 
to understand what it means for us to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus. Because we, my brothers and sisters, are called as the family of God to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. I'll say that again because I think that's important for us to understand that as the family of God, you and I, that means me and you, we are called by God to be gospel witnesses to the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse number 6. This is the word of the Lord. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for this, for the beginning of this series, um, our backdrop is going to be uh, Acts chapter one here. Uh, and if you know anything about the book of Acts, the book of Acts is all about the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts is actually a a part two of sorts. It's connected to the gospel of Luke. And if the gospel of Luke is Jesus fulfilling the gospel, if uh, Luke is the work of Christ fulfilling the gospel narrative, uh, then the book of Acts is the continued work of God, the Holy Spirit, spreading the message of the gospel throughout the world. And so, The book of Acts details the Spirit's continued work of spreading the good news of the gospel. Uh, The Holy Spirit uses the apostles to perform various acts, various miracles, and hence the name, the Acts of the Apostles. Now, although the title of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles are not the focal point of the book. Again, the focal point of the book is God, the Holy Spirit. The focal point of the book of Acts is the work of the Holy Spirit spreading the good news of the gospel throughout the world. Now, we see in verse 6 that there were some who had gathered with Jesus who had their own agenda. So let's look at verses 6 and 7 again. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So this verse shows us that uh, there were some who had gathered with Jesus. This was Christ speaking right before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And there were some who had gathered with Jesus who had their own agenda in mind. Uh, Some of their uh, priority was to reestablish the Jews as a world superpower. And they were expecting Jesus to establish this kingdom. So I, I want you to understand something. Jesus had just shown tremendous power over death by resurrecting from the grave. 
So some of his followers were expecting him to use this resurrection power and exhibit it over the earth to reestablish the Jews as a world power so that they would be back at the top of the food chain. Uh, But Jesus, he redirects their attention to the way in which his kingdom would actually come, which is through the witnessing of the gospel. So some of Jesus listeners, some of Jesus hearers here in this text, they had their own agenda. But Jesus already had an agenda planned out for them. So what can we understand from this as the village church? We should understand that our agenda should also be God's agenda. We can learn from this that our agenda is not to have a big church. It's not to have a big budget. There's nothing wrong with big churches and big budgets. That's that's all good. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But our agenda should ultimately should ultimately be the agenda that Jesus has given us which is to be his gospel witnesses to and in the world. Our agenda is to see the kingdom of God grow and advance through our gospel witness. Also, our agenda should be to make the gospel priority number one. So what do I mean by that? Believe it or not, there are some people who go to church Sunday after Sunday. They participate in praise and worship. They do this week after week, month after month, year after year, but they don't know what the gospel is. And they don't know how to share the gospel. And so, my brothers and sisters, believe it or not, I think sometimes we take for granted how biblically illiterate the the world is becoming. Because if you ask some people what the gospel is, they would simply start to share their personal testimony or their personal witness. They would tell you how God has delivered them from addiction or how God has delivered them from some type of broken situation. Now, I'm glad that you all are looking right at me. I'm glad. And so if you're not looking right at me, I want you to look right at me right now. Those are all good things. Your personal testimony is a good thing. Your personal testimony is integral. It's integral to your gospel witness. It actually is. Your personal testimony is absolutely necessary. But again, look right at me. Your personal testimony is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. Don't get it twisted. Acts 1.8 tells us that uh, Jesus said that we would be his witnesses. Right. So if we are supposed to be his witnesses, our agenda should be tied up in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Even the complete work of God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, who is completely eternal, completely co-equal with God, the father, completely co-equal with God, the son, his complete work, his agenda is to point us back to the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, I got Bible. John 16, verses 13 through 14 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Again, this is Jesus speaking. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, my brothers and sisters, in order for us to be faithful witnesses of the gospel, we need to first know the gospel. We need to trust the the truthfulness and the faithfulness of the gospel. And we need to know how to share the gospel. We need to pray to the spirit and ask the spirit to help us to weave elements of our personal testimony, because, again, they are not juxtaposed to one another. We need to ask the spirit to show us how elements of our personal testimony can be woven in to our gospel witness. But doing that with the realization that our personal testimony cannot and does not save anybody. This is why our gospel witness should always be priority number one, because some of you may or may not think that I'm splitting hairs between our personal witness and our gospel witness. But this is why our gospel witness should be priority number one. There's a story recorded of a man who in his life experienced some unfortunate events. Uh, His father was brutally murdered, and the, uh, the murder went unsolved. It was never resolved. His mother was admitted into a mental institution for her mental health. His brothers and sisters were separated in the foster care system. And this man who recorded his story uh, found himself addicted to cocaine and addicted to heroin and addicted to alcohol, and he found himself locked in a prison in the worst of conditions. But one night, as he was down at his lowest point, he records in his cell that he prayed the most sincere prayer that anyone had ever prayed in their life. And in the middle of the night, as he was sleeping, He was awakened by the presence of the Messiah sitting at his feet. The Messiah was at the foot of his bed. And he said that he knew that he wasn't dreaming because all of his mental faculties were were sharp. He knew that it wasn't a dream because he could see it as clear as day that the Messiah had visited him in his prison cell. And he said, from that day forward, I had no more addiction. From that day forward, the process of me getting out of prison began. And the Messiah delivered me from my addiction and he delivered me from prison. Now, the issue with that, although that's a powerful witness of a, uh, of a deliverance from addiction, although that's a, a powerful witness of, of being delivered from prison, his Messiah was W.D. Fard Muhammad, and the man was Malcolm X. And our personal testimony, our personal witness is the same apart from the gospel. We need to know that God is a healer. We need to know that God is a deliverer. 
Those are great and those are wonderful things. But apart from the gospel, our witness, our personal testimony is null and void. What sets us apart as believers is that we have the truth of the gospel. Now, we, my brothers and sisters, are saved by grace through faith. Faith in what? Some of you may ask. Faith in God, generally speaking. We must believe that God exists. We must believe that God is the creator of the heavens and earth, and he's the creator of everything we see. But that is a general revelation which Paul tells us all men have. I believe that Malcolm X had a general revelation of God. But saving faith, my brothers and sisters, saving faith must ultimately be in the truth of the gospel. It must ultimately be in believing the truth of the gospel. Paul says in Romans that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all those who would believe. So only God saves and he uses the message of the gospel to save his children. Again, this is why our gospel witness must be priority number one. Because, again, people need to know that God is a healer. People need to know that God is capable of fixing broken marriages. People need to know that God is capable of making you a success in life. Those are good and relevant things because all good and perfect gifts come from God. But ultimately, people need to know that our triune God is at work in redeeming creation. People need to know that they are sinners subject to the wrath of God. People need to know that God, the son, the second person of the Trinity, he took on flesh in the incarnation. People need to know that Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary and that he was truly God and that he was truly man. People need to know that Jesus lived a perfectly sinless life on our behalf. People need to know that Jesus was crucified and that he bore our sins and that he bore the wrath of God on that old rugged cross at Calvary. People need to know that at the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and they need to know that he is now present at the right hand of the father, literally praying for us, making intercessions for us. And that's not where the story ends, because one day he will return for a a bride that is without spot and without wrinkle. People need to know those details because that is the truth of the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. And it's not just for Pastor Alex. It's not just for little old intern Amos. But it's for all of us. But the problem is that sometimes we don't trust the spirit. We don't. Sometimes We don't trust the power of the gospel. We would rather trust the power of our persuasion, right? We'll say to ourselves, you know, I'm pretty smart. You know, and if I can't convince this guy or girl that they need Jesus, then they must be a hopeless case. Because I'm smart and I know how to argue very well. I was the captain of my debate team in high school. So if I can't convince them, then they're a hopeless case. But to that, sir or ma'am, I say, no, sir, no, ma'am. 
because our God is more than capable of breaking the will of men. If you don't believe me, I got a Bible. <laughs> Turn with me, if you will, to Daniel chapter 4. Somebody chuckled, so I think they already know where I'm going with this. Daniel chapter 4, beginning at verse 34. Now, this is King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, This is an account of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the most powerful empire at at the time. The power of life and death was literally in the tongue of King Nebuchadnezzar because he could speak to your situation and say, death for you, life for you. And he did that to thousands of people. So this is a king who was the most powerful king during his period of time. And this is what he says, beginning at verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And this is what gets me right here. This is amazing. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? My brothers and sisters, this is the power of our God. There is simply no match for our God. And once God has his sights set on you, he doesn't miss. It's a done deal. So Luke continues here in Acts. Let me get to it. Luke continues here in Acts, verse number eight. He says, "But you will receive pow- you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in, Ju- in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth." Now, in verse eight, we see Jesus giving his hearers their instructions after he has now redirected their. Uh, redirected them from their own agenda. He tells them that they will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the spread of the gospel in Acts actually follows this geographical outline. Uh, In chapter 2, we see the beginnings of the Jerusalem witness as Peter preaches his first sermon. Get this, his first sermon and 3,000 people are added to the family of God. We see the gospel witness beginning to spread outside of Jerusalem in chapter 8 as Philip begins to witness in Samaria. And we find the witness of Paul to other Gentiles beginning at chapter 13. And my brothers and sisters, the result of the spread of the gospel is you and me. 
You and I, we are the ends of the earth. The gospel began its journey in Jerusalem, and it has made its way all the way to the Americas. It made its way to China. It has made its way to the far reaches of the world, just as Jesus said it would. Yes, I do want to say this. Uh, Jesus' hearers may have believed that the ends of the earth were only the uh, the territories and the known uh, the known lands of that time. Yes, they may have been thinking that. But I believe that Jesus ultimately had you and I in mind as he said this, these words as well. And the significant thing about these words is that it includes all people groups. There are no people groups left out of Jesus' words. It's actually very Reminiscent of Matthew 28 and uh, verses 19 through 20, where Jesus gives the great commission to uh, the church and he gives the great commission to his disciples. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And what I believe, my brothers and sisters, Uh, What I believe Jesus wants us to see in Acts 1 and 8 and also in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is that as his agenda invades our lives, it consumes every part of our lives. And what I mean by this is that every part of our lives is related to and subject to our gospel witness. Uh, The idea exists. It's here in both texts, uh, more prevalent in Matthew 28. But it is underlying in verse in in Acts one, verse eight as well. And it is uh, that wherever we are sent, wherever we find ourselves, we are to be a missionary and a witness to that place. Now, if you have spent any time around me, you've heard me say that you are a missionary wherever you find yourself. So if you're a doctor, you're a, uh, a missionary physician. If you're an engineer, you're an engineering uh, uh, missionary as well. So wherever you find yourself, you are a missionary. That includes your home, that includes your job, and wherever you recreate as well. So I want you to understand that it's not only those who are going to foreign countries that are on the mission field. And that is a little bit of a redefinition of what being a missionary is. But I want you to understand that as a gospel witness for Jesus, you, wherever you find yourself, that is also your mission field. All of you are M&Ms. M&Ms, that stands for mobile missionaries. So wherever you go, you are a mobile missionary. Now, I want to make this practical for us. So I'm going to stop being so preachy. I feel like I've been real preachy today. And I want to make this really practical for us. Uh, Since we're talking about the identity of the village church, uh, it is necessary. And Pastor Alex challenged me to uh, give you guys some some practical things of how we can live out our lives as witnesses, as individuals and as uh, as the body here at the village church. So some of you may or may not be wondering, uh, how can you live out your life as a witness for Jesus? 
And I've got some practical things for us. So first, whenever you take the time to pray, I want you to pray to the Spirit that he would lead you in how to live out your life as a gospel witness. Pray that he would take you out of your comfort zone and that he would provide you with the faith and trust in the gospel to be a gospel witness. Pray that he would help you to understand how to share the gospel effectively and clearly. And a good resource that I would like to recommend to you guys is uh, the Gospel Fluency Lecture Series. The Gospel Fluency Lecture Series by Jeff Vanderstilt. I know that last name is a doozy, so I'm going to spell it for you. Uh, so first name is Jeff, G-E-F, uh, J-E-F-F. And Vanderstelt is V-A-N-D-E-R-S-T-E-L-T. And you can find this lecture series on YouTube. In this series on gospel fluency, uh, Jeff Jeff Vanderstelt talks about living our lives in light of the gospel in every area of our lives. So that's first. Number two. I want to give you some passages that you can read on, uh, read over in your own personal time uh, to help you identify and be encouraged uh, as a gospel witness. So I'm going to I'm going to give you a few. You already have today's text, uh, which is Acts 1 8. I also want to give you Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20, which is the Great Commission. Also want to give you Luke 12 verses 11 and 12, which encourages us that as witnesses for Jesus, the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say as we witness to people. I want to give you Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, which talks about our character in speech as we share the gospel, so in both word and deed. And I also want to give you 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, which identifies us as a royal priesthood that has been chosen by God. And lastly, 1 Peter 3, 15, which encourages us to always have an answer for the hope that is within us. So again, those texts were Acts 1, 8, Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Luke 12, Verses 11 and 12, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, and 1 Peter 3, verse 15. So I want you to read these texts, and I want you to try to practice doing this. I want you to read these texts, and I want you to pray them back to God, that he would continue to make them a reality for you as an individual, but also that he would continue to make them a reality for us here at the Village Church. Third, if you want to be even more practical, I want you to sit down one day, I want you to get a blank sheet of paper, and I want you to make four concentric circles. Some of y'all already know where I'm going with this. I want you to make four concentric circles big enough for you to be able to write in. And starting in the center circle, I want you to identify your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and I also want you to identify how you have been called to be a witness to the ends of the earth. Now, everybody look right at me. 
because I know some of y'all are going to try to check me on this. I know that this kind of this illustration, it kind of breaks down. I understand. I understand. Um, I understand that in the original text, everybody that heard Jesus say this was not called to go to every place. Everybody wasn't called to go to Judea. So I get that. I understand. But what I'm hoping this will do will, is that I hope that it will help us to identify places that we can be gospel witnesses and also that it will help us identify as the village church how we can embody being gospel witnesses in the world. So a couple examples of what you could possibly put in your concentric circles. Your Jerusalem could be your home, your household, where you function and live because that's where discipleship and witnessing actually starts. Um, Judea could be your neighborhood, possibly. And these are just suggestions. You don't have to go with these. Uh, Samaria could be your workplace or some of the places where you recreate. And the ends of the earth for you could possibly be a future mission trip. And if I let me say this, if pray to the spirit that if you desire to do a mission trip, that he would allow you to engage going on the mission field with a healthy indigenous group. Or it could be giving missionally because there are those that are on the mission field that could use the resources that you have. So that could also be the way in which God is calling you to be a witness to the ends of the earth. So these three practical things are essentially pray, read your Bible, and get up and get active as a gospel witness for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have allowed us to partake in your word. Father, we pray that you would help us to be mindful that you are with us everywhere we go as we go out uh, as your disciples, as your witnesses and missionaries to our various environments. Lord, Spirit, lead us as we grow in our identity as a witness, uh, as an individual and as a part of the village church and as a part of the universal church as a whole. God, we thank you for the work that your spirit is doing in, in, the, in the world, and we thank you for an opportunity to be able to participate in it. It is in Christ's name I pray. Amen.